Good morning, church family. You awake? Let's make sure that you're awake because we're about to get into God's word. Good morning, church family. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Good morning, Pastor Jerry. Uh, it's good to be back. W- welcome back, yes, from, from the trip. Yeah. So, yeah, you want to give us the short update? Well, we lost, uh, but uh, <laughs> this is a picture that was taken at the uh, national tournament uh, before we lost our first game. But it was a successful season overall, and and because uh, we won the conference regular season championship, which is the first time that that's happened in the particular conference that UCL is a part of. Uh, but more importantly, we feel like that we made a great impact upon the young men that you see in this picture. Yes. During the course of the year, not only the young men, but the assistant coaches that I got to work with as well. So uh, just really appreciate the opportunity to get connected there and make an investment and uh, to share the gospel with some of those folks. It's been a, a really good year. Yeah, I'm really excited that you were able to do that and uh, invited to a game, and that was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, you got to see us uh, close out the final game in yeah, which we won the, the conference. Cha- yeah, won the championships. That was pretty fun. Yeah, I got to climb up on a six-foot ladder and cut down the net, and that was really uh, <laughs> caused a great deal of anxiety in my children. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm glad, most of all, because I know your heart and I know how you've discipled me, that you are there to be a messenger. Absolutely. And, and to share with these players and these coaches. And I know you've shared with me several opportunities you've had to do that. And that's really what we're focusing on this morning is being the messengers. Yeah, this is a really good message this morning for us to look at the scriptures and understand some things that we need to understand about how God leads us. Uh, how does he lead us to be messengers to the people around us. So we're going to learn some things about that this morning. You've got the story. I do. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, open with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at our third messenger in this series. If you're just joining us for this series this morning, uh, we're in this series called The Messengers. And we're looking at five messengers in the book of Acts that God used to powerfully send out his message from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's what Acts 1-8 talks about. That's really, many consider that verse to be the thesis of the book of Acts, uh, where Jesus said that this is what was going to happen with his message And his method for getting that message out was through messengers who were empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. So that's what our series is about right now. And this morning, we're going to be looking at our third messenger in in this series, and it's the messenger Philip. Philip. Uh, And Philip was one of the deacons. Yes, he was. Last last week, we looked at Stephen, and he was a deacon. And now this week, we're looking at Philip, who was also a deacon, but an evangelist. Yes, he was. And so, um, idea behind this as we jump into this, if you've got your Bible, it's going to be Acts 8. We're going to start in verse 26 is where we're going to begin. But here's the the theme for you. Go to the place and look for the people. That's, That's the message this morning. Go to the place and look for the people, and we're going to see that in the story of Philip this morning. So let me just uh, read this story, but we want to dialogue about this story a little bit this morning. So this is what the Bible says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to a road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then he says, this is a desert place. Now, in the Bible, it's not very often that geography is given and then a description of that geography. Typically, 
it's assumed that the reader probably knew the area. Obviously, living in America 2,000 years later, we don't know the geography of that area necessarily really well in our minds. But the author of this story, Luke, wanted to make sure that we understood Philip was told by an angel, God told Philip, go down to, from Jerusalem, down the road to Gaza, into a desert place. And here's what the scripture says. And he rose and he went. There you go. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And so this guy was not an Israelite, but he had come, he had traveled from Ethiopia, which is in Africa. He had traveled up to Jerusalem in order to be a seeker. He was a seeker of God. He was a seeker of worshiping Yahweh. And he was returning. So he had gone to Jerusalem. He had worshiped. And now he was returning back to Ethiopia. He was seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So he had access to some scripture. So he was reading this scripture verse. This is the setting. When God told Philip to go down to the desert place... Philip had no idea this Ethiopian eunuch was on his way back and that he was reading the prophet Isaiah. But this is what was happening when Philip was just told, go to a desert place. And the spirit said to Philip, now he's in the desert. The spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him. And some translations right here say Philip overtook the chariot. Like there's this really like this boldness about the way that Philip went about this. He just went right up. The chariot's probably going faster. He ran to him, like literally had to quicken his step in order to catch up with this chariot. So he ran to him. And when he ran to him, he wasn't in the chariot yet, but he heard as he walked by the chariot, he heard the Ethiopian reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asked the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? I love that question. I mean, is it, doesn't that just meet this guy right where he's at? He was the one reading the scriptures. He was reading Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And he says, do you understand what you are reading? It's very relevant to him right there in that situation. And the Ethiopian said, how can I unless someone guides me? If you're a seeker of God, I just want you to hear the heart of this Ethiopian. He was a well-to-do guy. He had some power, he had some authority, some prestige, and here he is humble. How can I understand what God is saying through the book of Isaiah unless someone guides me? So the Ethiopian invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, and I love that we know exactly what he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Now, church, I want you to help me answer that question this morning on the count of three. Who is the prophet speaking of? One, two, three. Three. Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. But the, the Ethiopian eunuch didn't understand that yet. So he's asking, who's he talking about? Look what Philip did. 
Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. This guy was prepared. Philip didn't know what he was going to encounter in the desert, but when the opportunity came for him to share the message of Jesus, he was prepared to share that message. And they were going along the road, and they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? I love that this element's in this story. You know what that tells me? That Philip's presentation of the gospel included an yeah. invitation to be baptized. Right. And I think that's really critical. And I'm grateful for Lisa setting the example for us yeah, this morning. Amen. Let's celebrate with her yeah, and her amen. family one yeah. more time, right? About being baptized. Being obedient to the Lord. This is part of our response to what Jesus has done for us. Part of our response to the message is to follow him in baptism. And Philip obviously included that in his presentation of the gospel because the eunuch's response was, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he, was, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit carried Philip away. There it is again, transportation, I mean, teleportation in the scriptures, right? We, we did this a few weeks ago with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and now we're seeing it again. The spirit just carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and, he, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And that's the story this morning from God's word. It's always interesting to me when we read these stories, there's so many details that are left out of the story that apparently God didn't consider to be very significant, but I consider to be very significant. How would you like to ride a chariot from Jerusalem to Africa? Woo. Oh my goodness. What a trip. And when Philip first got this message, he was in Samaria. He had to walk 90 miles to this desert. How would you like to do that? Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Those are just little details that God didn't put in there. But to me, it's amazing that these guys were both seeking the Lord. Yes. And what they were willing to do mm. in order to seek the Lord, the sacrifice that they were both willing to make is incredible. Yeah. Now, this particular fella, he was uh, an ambassador. Uh, he was an ambassador of Ethiopia. He was also in charge of the treasury of the queen, uh, the queen whose name was Candace. And being a messenger for someone who is uh, an important person, whether they're a king or a queen or a president, being an ambassador for someone like that is an incredible honor, being a messenger. Because basically that's your job as an ambassador. You receive a message from the king, the queen, the president, and you go deliver the message. Right. But because of who you're representing, it's an incredible honor. So... This guy was an ambassador of the queen of Ethiopia, and he was a messenger. And, uh, but you know, Philip, he had a higher position than this fella because Philip was an ambassador of the king of kings, Amen. the Lord Jesus Christ. And the message that Philip had to bring to this fella was more important than any message that this Ethiopian could ever bring to anyone else. Yeah, and... For us, as we start to think about this story, Philip, here he is, a deacon, and, and the Lord just spoke to him. He was just obedient to go. What we need to understand is the lesson that God wants us to learn from his example. All believers are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. You gotta believe that. Yeah. That we're all ambassadors of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, God's word calls you 
his ambassador. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Amen. As though God were pleading through us. Isn't that a great phraseology? That as, as though God were pleading, making, just petition, asking, begging, pleading with you for the message of Christ. We implore you, implore you on, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So ambassadors carry these important messages from king, queen, president. But the message that we carry from the king of kings is so much more important because it can determine someone's eternal destiny. Yeah, absolutely. So that message is critical. Absolutely. That we would be the messengers and that we would share the message. The message. Yes. So to fulfill our mission as ambassadors, you're called an ambassador. So you have a mission. God has given you a task. There's, there's a title, but... We don't just want to be given the title. I don't really like it when people have a title and they don't do their job, do you? <laughs> and so we don't just want to have the title. We want to understand what's our job. Jesus, what do you mean? God's, when God's word says you're an ambassador, what do you mean by that? To fulfill our mission as an ambassador of Christ, we must be willing to answer the call of God to be his ambassadors, to do the work of an ambassador. Being his ambassador will require us to do two things that all ambassadors are required to do. And if you're taking notes this morning, this would be your opportunity to just kind of see where we're going. And this is where we're going to be following the rest of this message. So the two requirements, we see them in the story of Philip in Acts chapter 8. What are the two requirements for us to be the ambassadors that God has called us to be? First, we must be willing to go to places that we do not necessarily want to go. That's the first thing, and we see it in the story. To be an ambassador, we must be willing to go to places that we do not necessarily want to go. And second, we must be willing to share with people that we do not necessarily want to talk to. We see both of these things in the story of Philip. So let's talk about the first one for a few minutes here. We must be willing to go to places that we do not want to go. You know, ambassadors receive these assignments and when, when they sign up to be an ambassador, they sign up to go wherever the king, queen, president is going to send them. Right. And invariably, what's going to happen is there's going to be times where they're going to be going, really? I've got to go there <laughs> to deliver this message? And uh, it could be a place where they're sent where it's dangerous to go, you know? Right now, if I was an ambassador to Russia and I got a message from the President of the United States sending me to Russia to deliver a message to the President of Russia, I would not necessarily want to go and deliver that message because of the danger that could be involved. But that's what ambassadors do. They go to places that they don't necessarily want to go to. So Philip's assignment in this story was to go to a place uh, between Jerusalem and Gaza which was a desert. And I don't think when Philip got the assignment, he went, all right. Yeah. You know, vacation. <laughs> right. This is going to be great. Great you trip know, coming up. Wonderful mission trip. Yeah. You know, God's sending me to the desert uh -huh. on this particular trip, and I'm going to have to walk nearly 90 miles to get there. That is not like a mission trip to Cancun. No, absolutely. <laughs> We've taken a few of those. Yeah. They're wonderful, you know. But this, so he's going to a place where he didn't necessarily want to go. It was a place that Philip normally did not travel it wasn't on his normal travel routine it was not a place that 
Philip was going to go to see relatives or uh, visit with friends. It was not a place that Philip would go for vacation, as I said. It was not a place that was appealing to Philip's flesh. I mean, come on. It's a desert wilderness. And God put it in there, the description, mm-hmm. to show us that it was a desert wilderness where he sent Philip at this particular time. And in this desert wilderness, you know, back in that time, and it would be true in some desert wilderness today, Philip would be subject to a harsh climate mm-hmm. where there wasn't a lot of water. And then he would also be subject to wild animals. And then also in that time, when you wandered out in the desert by yourself, you were going to be subject to thieves. And so this was not a place where Philip just went, oh, thank you, God, yeah. that you're sending me to that place. Oh, really dangerous. Yeah, I absolutely. Kind of like Stephen last week. Stephen knew that he was putting his life on the line. Exactly. And really, Philip had this same call of, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know who's sending me. Yeah. And so I'm trusting him as an ambassador. And what really grabs my attention in this story is that God didn't give Philip a reason. When God asks you to do something hard, what do you normally want? A reason. A reason. Tell me why, God. Come on. God does not provide one. He does not tell him that when he goes down, he's going to meet this certain guy who's a seeker, and he's a well-to-do guy, and he's already reading the scroll of Isaiah, and this is going to be the easiest presentation of the gospel opening that you've ever had because I've already set it up for you. He doesn't tell him any of that. He says, go down to the desert, Philip. Woo. And I, I normally want a reason. But he just told him to go, and Philip was willing to go to a place that he would not normally travel just to say, I'll be obedient. I'll be the ambassador. You said it at your word, I will go. And so the application for us is really clear, isn't it? In order to be effective ambassadors for Christ, we must be willing to go to places that we don't necessarily want to go to. And we see this throughout the scripture, how... God guides people to places. When someone comes to me and they're a young person and they want to talk about the call of God in their life and uh, they're trying to clarify it, they're trying to find out what God wants them to do, Mm -hmm. I always point out to them that in the scripture when God was guiding people to fulfill their calling, he would always guide them to a place. He would put a place in their heart for them to go to. I mean, this is what he did to Abraham. He did. He called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he said, go to this place in order to fulfill the mission that I have for you. He did this to to Joseph, you know, and and Joseph uh, was forced to go into the place that he didn't want to go, but he went to this place that he didn't want to go, and he stayed there to fulfill the mission that God had for him there in Egypt. And Joseph recognized the sovereignty of God. By the time it was all over, he said, oh, God brought me here for this purpose. Yeah, he must have been trusting in the sovereignty of God all along the way, or he would have really been bitter against his brothers. Yeah. And then we see the same thing happen to Moses after Moses left Egypt, went out into the wilderness. He, you know, got married, started his family. I mean, he's got a large ranching business, uh, taking care of sheep out there. All of a sudden, God says, go back to Egypt. That place that you're a wanted fugitive. Yeah, we're a wanted fugitive, you know, (laughs) and you've got your name up as someone that needs to be arrested and Uh condemned because you committed murder over there. And so he did the same thing to Moses. He called him to a place. But think about it. Our greatest example is who? Jesus. Jesus Jesus went to a place 
that he didn't necessarily want to go to. Yeah. In fact, at the end of his life, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that Jesus went, all right, I get to go be a human being. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm the son of God. I'm the king of kings. I get to, all right, this is great. Mm-hmm. No, he was sent to a place that he didn't necessarily want to go to in order to be the ambassador that the father had called him to be. And so now he's done this to Philip. And he does this to us. And we need to recognize this, that the way that the Spirit of God guides us in our lives is he guides us to places. And as he guides us to places, many of those places are places that we don't necessarily want to go. Yeah, we need to make this very personal now. What we are saying is that God is wanting to lead you to a place. He wants to lead you to a place to be his messenger. Just like he led Philip, just like he led these other men in the scriptures, he wants to lead you to a place to be his messenger. So this could look different ways for you. I want to give you some examples of what this could look like, but I want you to not listen to me. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit and start asking the question, where is the place that you want me to go? For us, this could be to a country that we do not want to live in. Sometimes he moves us to leave our country, to go to another country, to be a missionary, a foreign missionary on a foreign land, in a foreign land. This could be a city that you do not want to live in. You live in one city right now, and God wants to move you to another city. This could be an area of town that you do not want to live in. This could be a neighborhood that you do not want to live in. This could be a job or a place where you don't want to work. Do you sense the shift there? Okay, it's still geographical, it's a place, but where the Lord has me working. Oh, he has me working here to be his messenger. I thought I was at a dead-end job. What I realize now, like Joseph, is the sovereignty of God that's led me here. And for however the long, Lord, the long, however long the Lord has me here, I'm here to be his messenger. I'm here to be his ambassador. This could be to a school that you don't necessarily want to attend. This could be to a program that you're going to volunteer and serve in and give up time every week. It could be athletics. You know, for Pastor Jerry recently, it was the UCO basketball program. For me, one of the places God has led me consistently is on to school campuses for school ministry, like Fish Club and Bible Club and things like that. And so where is the place that God wants to lead us? And you need to be asking that question. And I want to give you an illustration, an example, just how the Lord's worked this out in our life. We've been married this year. It'll be 17 years. And towards the very beginning of our marriage, I went down to this conference in Norman called World Mandate. It was a one-night event, and they had a message that was very similar to this, where they were asking us to just pray and be open to the Lord and say, where do you want us to go? We'll go wherever you send. And so I decided, young married, you know, we, we had a baby, maybe one on the way, or, one, or maybe two young babies. I don't remember exactly when, but very young family. And I just decided, I'm going to ask God at great personal risk, because I understand if I ask the Lord and he tells me to go overseas, I'm going to have a real choice to make here. Uh, if I'm going to be obedient and be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So I asked the Lord, and you know, that night he told me it was supposed to be Southside Oklahoma City. And at that time, we lived in a trailer house uh, really on the, on the line of South Oklahoma City and more. We lived there a few more years, but I, I believe that the Lord spoke that to me. But then when it was time to look for a house, I'll just word it this way, my faith was struggling. And so 
we started looking for houses and I brought in the search area. I wanted, you know, the best house we could find. And I remember my dad going with Rachel and I, we went and guess where the first house we looked at was? Not South Oklahoma City, but in Moore. And when we went to Moore, we put in an offer on a house in Moore and that offer didn't go through. Well, then the Lord opened up another door. It was a better house at a better price in South Oklahoma City. I was Paul and Evelyn McKeithen's next door neighbor. I was two houses down from my grandma Phyllis and there was a very uh, awesome ministry opportunity on this circle where we lived for lots of families there that we could love and do ministry with and we did. We had them in our home many times. We hosted cookouts in our front yard. Well, the whole reason that we moved there was I believe the sovereignty of God. Even when my faith was struggling in the word that God gave, God directed my steps. And you know what he did in that is he confirmed to me that this is how he works. He speaks to us and he tells us where he wants us to go and he wants us to be obedient to that. And I'm so grateful for his grace that when I wasn't gonna be obedient, he guided my steps and led me to that anyway. And oh my goodness, I don't regret it for a second. You know, right now we have some property that would be free for us to live at. On, out in eastern Oklahoma, and we love the property out there. It's about a 30-minute drive uh, from the city, and we go out there a lot. It's where uh, Rachel's parents live out there, and if we wanted to, we could. there's some land out there that we could just move out onto. Isn't that the dream, right? I mean, isn't that what everyone's supposed to do is work really hard so you can afford some land outside the city and then eventually live outside? God has not told us to move there. He has told us to live here, and so this is the mission field, and so this is what it looks like where is the place? And then once we know where the place is, obedience to that place, and God will guide our steps if we'll listen to him. Yeah, once we get into the place where God wants us to go, then God will share with us the people that he wants us to reach. But unless we are willing to go to the place, we will never meet the people. If yeah. Philip had not gone to this desert, he wouldn't have had this opportunity to share with this particular Ethiopian man. Yeah. So the question is, where is your desert? Where is your desert that God is leading you to go to? Have you asked him, God, where do you want to place me? You know, where do you want me to go? And what I would encourage you to do is not just ask it on a major, like, what country you want me to live in, what city you want me to live in, what neighborhood you want me to live in. But I would begin to encourage all of us to ask more specifically, you know, God, what store do you want me to shop in? Yeah. What gas station do you want me to use? God, you know, uh, where do you want me to get my hair done, ladies? Mm -hmm. Well, I want to go over here because I really, where does God want you to go? Mm -hmm. In order to reach the people that God wants you to reach, we've got to go to the places where God wants us to go. Yeah, and we need to listen specifically. You know, sometimes the Lord may not answer that question. It may be up to us, but, some, but I believe that what he does is he guides our steps, that he will show us the way for where he wants us to go. So that's the first one. We must be willing to go to places that we do not want to go. And then we're going to look at the second one and the last one. In order to be the ambassadors that God has called us to be, we must be willing to share with people that we do not necessarily want to talk to. This is harder for some of you. Maybe even harder than going to the place that God wants you to go is to talk with someone that you don't necessarily want to talk to. We see this again in the story. God told Philip 
to go to an Ethiopian. What does that mean? What does that mean for Philip? Well, they did not share the same nationality. Philip and the Ethiopian did not share the same skin color. They did not share the same social status. They did not share the same occupation. They did not share the same interests. Are you getting the theme here? There was not very much in common. This was not a person that was naturally engaging, appealing for Philip to engage with in conversation about religion. Like if you were trying to say, hey, Philip, who would it be more natural for you to talk to? Well, another Jew, you know, someone that lives in Jerusalem, has some shared experiences that we have some common. This is a guy, I mean, Philip did not even know if this guy spoke his language. But God told Philip to draw near to this man's chariot. The man's chariot was traveling faster than Philip was walking. So Philip had to actually decide, in order to be obedient to God, to physically run to catch up to that place. I mean, that requires some boldness. That requires some courage. He didn't even know what he was going to say to the Ethiopian. He didn't know if they were going to be able to talk in the same language. But Philip was obedient to God and approached a person he would not necessarily normally talk to. You know, we call this at times a leap of faith, and it is because when you don't know what you're going to do, you know, when you draw near to somebody, that is a leap of faith. But what Philip did was Philip trusted that the Spirit of God would lead him in the moment to know what to share and to know how to introduce, you know, the conversation. I mean, here he is running along beside the chariot, and he could have just abruptly said, hey, do you, do you know Jesus? Uh-huh. <laughs> do you want to be saved? Or he could have done the EE questions because I'm, sh- I'm sure that Philip knew the evangelism explosion right. questions. Right, yeah, he had to know. But instead, he runs up there. He's trusting the Spirit of God to lead him. And he overhears the guy apparently reading out loud the scriptures. And then he introduces what he wants to share with him. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Mm. But he got in the right place, but he trusted God to give him what he needed to say to this particular person. And so God, in this story, had prepared this Ethiopian's heart. And all Philip had to do was ask this man's permission to explain what he was reading. He didn't just abruptly stuff the gospel down on him, you know. He treated him with respect and honor. And asking permission that, you know, you, you want to understand what you're reading. Wouldn't you love some witnessing opportunities like that, where the Lord just prepares the heart of the person and is, you're ready to just share with them? <laughs> yeah, an amazing thing to me is that this Ethiopian ambassador of the queen uh, of Ethiopia says, gives him permission. This guy's running by his chariot. <laughs> He says, yeah, I'd like to know what I'm reading. Yeah, come on up here. And he joins him in the chariot. And, you know, he's converted and he's baptized. And you know what historical tradition tells us about this particular Ethiopian? It tells us that he was the founder of the church of Jesus in Ethiopia. That he went back and he founded it. That's what historical tradition tells us in ancient history. And and that's really significant because Ethiopia becomes a major theological hub in the growth of the church. So, I mean, it's a major work that God does through this one story. And so this all happened just because Philip was willing to go to a place that he didn't necessarily want to go to. And then he was willing to talk to someone that he didn't necessarily want to talk to. 
So it's time to make it personal again. To fulfill our mission as ambassadors of Christ, we must be willing to go to the place that we don't necessarily want to go to, and we must be willing to, once we're there, look for the people that God wants us to share with that perhaps maybe we don't even necessarily want to talk to those people. They may not share our nationality. They may not share our skin color or the same social status, the same occupation or the same interests. But to be effective messengers of Jesus, we must obey God and engage with these people that he is leading us to by his Holy Spirit. As we get to know people, the Holy Spirit, and and I believe this, lock this in, he will show us how to talk to them. He will show you how to talk to them. But you have to be willing to trust him. Go to the place find the people and trust the Holy Spirit to show you how to talk to him. But, but this won't ever happen if you try to get this out. Well, God, tell me exactly who I'm going to meet, what they're like, what their interests are, what exactly they're doing right now and what you want me to say to them. And then I'll consider if I'm going to go or not. Is that what happened with Philip? We need to pay attention. This is how the Lord worked in Philip. He wants to work this way with us. Trust him. Go to the place Find the people and trust God to give you the message. Yeah, let me give you just one real simple tool that Brandon uses it and I use it all the time in order to introduce the gospel to people. So I'm in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. We're at a Hampton Inn. There's a breakfast room there. And I go to breakfast whether I want to eat or not. Why? Because you're ready going to the place. I know there's going to be people there. Yeah. And uh, so I sit down and I typically sit down at an empty table on purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I'm praying and I'm asking God to lead some person to sit down with me. And it could be some, uh, one of the people that we're traveling with, one of the the players or coaches. And, and so I sit there and people pass by and people pass, and then suddenly someone sits down. And it's someone that I don't know very well. And so here's the tool that we use all the time. I say, hey, uh, let's, I'll just pull a name out. Hey, Ted, tell me your story. What's your story? And they start, you want to know my story? Yeah, I want to know your story. What's your story? And so they tell me their story as we're sitting there at the breakfast table. And then they finish their story. I say, that's incredible. Awkward silence, just like in group. You know what I'm waiting on? What's your story? What's your story? It's I'm the glad natural you asked. response, right? All right. <laughs> and you know what my story is going to lead to, right? When they ask me my story, my story is going to lead to Jesus because that's really all that matters about my story. Yeah. And I'm going to have the opportunity to share the gospel with that particular person. So that happened three times while I was in South Dakota. And uh, just, it's just a tool to use. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't wait for someone to sit down and say, hey, you know, if you died tonight, do you know for sure that you go to heaven when you die? Just uh-huh. abruptly out of nowhere. You know, you get to that. Right. You get to that question, the gospel question. We call them diagnostic questions. Right. But first of all, and, and there's something so powerful about your story when you share it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you need to put together your story in a way that it all, it all revolves around Jesus. Yeah. And what he's done in your life before you were saved, how you got saved, and then what difference Jesus has made in your life after you were saved. And isn't that simple? I mean, you can do that, right? Sit down, ask someone their story, be interested. Genuinely, don't be sitting there the whole time trying to figure out what you're going to say next, okay? Have your story ready in your mind that you've already rehearsed, but then just sit there and listen. And oh, tell me about that. Oh, so what happened there? How did you get with UCL? It's just so 
so simple, show genuine interest, and then wait for the opportunity to share your story. Yeah, and then one more thing that I do is in this day and age is I used to get people's mailing addresses. Now I get their email address. Or text. Or, you know, whatever. And I've written out my story in a booklet. And so after I get back, I'll just mail them my story. Yeah. And uh, so they'll have it in printed form. And, uh, and so anyway, that's the way I approach this as far as sharing the gospel with people. You know, to wrap this up, uh, you know, I'm so grateful uh, for the work of the Lord through this church uh, over the many years that, uh, that I've been here. But even before, do you know, in, in 1971... Uh, this church experienced the greatest number of baptisms ever has in its history. Hmm. We baptized 80 people wow. in 1971. And that was a time where I was saved. I wasn't saved here. I was saved in Dell City. But the Spirit of God was really moving among students yes. throughout the Oklahoma City area. The Jesus movement. Yeah, the Jesus movement. And there were more students saved in 1971 and 72 than in, in Dell City than at any kind of other time in its history. Mm. And I was one of those students that was saved. And so I'm glad for the history and the legacy of our church. And then I'm also glad for, you know, since I've been here in, since 1984, of what we've been able to invest in in a church to see the gospel go out and to support people who are willing to go places that I don't necessarily want to go to. Yeah. And uh, so we have missionaries that we have invested money in since 1984 or whenever they were called to go on the mission field. And we are a part of them going to a place and sharing with a people that they don't nece didn't necessarily want to go to. Yeah. And one of those people is Phil Chain. Yeah. And so I remember the Sunday that he came down and he had been going to missions in Mexico, but he had a business here in Oklahoma City. And he came down and he decided, I'm going to sell my business. I'm going to move to Mexico. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He was called to a place. He was called to a place. Yeah. And he couldn't, and he went, and he's been winning souls for Christ ever since then. Yeah. And then I remember, you know, I've sat in the office of Ben Manus when he was in the oil business. I mean, it was a big old office and a big old desk, and, you know, he was a big old oil man. Now, he wouldn't say that, but he's in the <laughs> oil business. And then I remember when God began to move in his heart and call him and Linda to go to Africa. Yeah. Linda did not want to go. <laughs> but we made sure that she went, didn't we? We paid her away as a church because we thought it was important for her to go to that place. Yeah. In order to meet those people. Right. And you know, to Phil's credit and Ben and Linda's credit, they were willing to go. They were willing to sell their businesses and go and take the gospel. They left the comforts of their home and they went to a place and a people that they didn't necessarily want to go to. Man, and God has really used their willingness. I, I, when they went to the place, they met those people. Ben, what are just a couple of the names of people that you're so glad you have relationship with because you went to the place? Yeah, and these guys are leading the effort. Uh, if you don't know Reaching Souls strategy, you need to look into it. We support Reaching Souls through the giving here of our church uh, because we believe in the strategy that they're using. Nationals reaching nationals, raising up disciples who make disciples. Every disciple having a Timothy that goes out and shares the gospel and makes more disciples of Jesus. And man, there's a movement going there that God started with that obedience. Let me just give you a sampling of that. I looked at the, now Ben, he's more in an advisory role. 
role now with Reaching Souls International, but the work that God started through him and through Jimmy Hodges uh, at that time is still continuing. I looked at the 2020-2021 report. Did you know that they recorded these decisions in that year, 6,875,861 salvation decisions in that year span? Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. It's, yeah, we can celebrate that. What an incredible thing. You know where that started? God calling someone to a place and then showing them the people and then the Holy Spirit doing the work. Him, him just trusting God to do the work. They are examples to us. Both Ben and Linda and Phil and Marianne are examples of what Philip did with the early church. So if we're going to be used of God as ambassadors, we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to go to the place that God wants us to go. If we don't want to go there, we've got to be willing to share with the people that God wants us to share with that we may not necessarily have anything in common with. And as we go, as we are obedient, what God did with Philip, God will do with us. We don't know the results when we go. And you know what? I don't know the results of what happened at the last weekend. I have no clue at this point uh, how big of an impact what I did is, is going to make on that particular trip that I took. But I trust the Lord for the results. And as we trust the Lord and we sow the seeds of the gospel, then others come to know him in heaven. Yeah. And there's going to be people that are coming to Christ that will never thank us in this world. Yeah. If we'll be obedient, they'll thank us in heaven. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Absolutely. You want to move to this next part here? Sure. Or, yeah. You know, to reach these people that God wants us to reach, to go to the place, we have to go to the place God wants us to go. And we have to look for the people that God wants us to look for. But there's one last truly important part that we need to understand so that when we go, we'll understand where the power comes from for us to do this work that God has called us to do. And this is it right here. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look at what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And then 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You know, in the Old Testament... The location of the hot spot of God's presence on the earth was the temple in Jerusalem. It was limited to a geographical location. In fact, that's what prompted the Ethiopian to go to Jerusalem in the first place to worship God, was to go and visit that temple, to go to the place where it was the hot spot of God's presence on the earth. But did you know that the temple in Jerusalem is no longer the hot spot of God's presence on the earth? And the Ethiopian discovered that because when he encountered Philip, he encountered the temple of God. He encountered God's holy spirit. The temple is not located in Jerusalem anymore. The temple is mobile. You are that temple. We are that temple. It all goes back to our identity in Christ, doesn't it? It you know, does. Uh, when I'm staying there in the hotel and, and uh, I go down to the exercise room every morning, my thought process is this. 
I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm the hot spot of God's presence in this hotel. Yeah. I want you to think that way about yourself. Yeah. The Spirit of God is in me. And so when I walk in to do my exercise in the exercise room, the temple of the Holy Spirit just walked into the exercise room. Just think about that. And when I walk into the breakfast room, the temple of the Holy Spirit just walked into the breakfast room. Yeah. You know what? This makes us unique among all the people in this world. God's Spirit is in you if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you arrive in a place, God's temple arrives in that place. Ooh. His presence is manifested in you because you are there. And you know what's going to happen? <laughs> the spirit of the living God makes people uncomfortable. It just does. It makes, it makes people uncomfortable. Some will even be intimidated by you and they don't know why they're intimidated. Because they don't know that the Holy Spirit of God is in you. You know, those who are seeking the Lord but do not know him, they may be intimidated by you, but they're going to be drawn to you. Yeah. Because, and they don't even know why they're drawn to you. Yeah. But it's the Spirit of God in you. And they will give you permission to talk to them about spiritual things and not even know why they're giving you permission. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's amazing how God does that. It's a work of his spirit, his spirit in us because he has made us to be his temple. And this is true unless, of course, you're hiding the light of God's presence in you. It doesn't make you not his temple. If the spirit of God is in you, you are his temple, but you could be hiding that light. Remember, Jesus said, a, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men take a lamp and hide it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick so it'll give light to the whole house. Let your light so shine. Well, how do you hide your light? Because we are the temple. We are the hot spot of God's presence on the earth. How do you hide your light? Well, you hide your light by acting like a sinner instead of believing who you are in Christ, that you're no longer a sinner because of what Christ has done in you. It goes yeah. back to the gospel. So if I walk into that, that restaurant there at the Hampton Inn, and, you know, things are not like what I like them, and I began to complain and create a problem yeah. for the service staff in that place. You know what I'm doing? The light goes under the bushel. I go, I'm putting my light under a bushel. Yeah. And so we've got to walk free of that. And Satan wants to hijack us from sharing God's message. And he wants to do it through sin in our life. To make us so that the light is hidden. And so what we need to do is instead of believing his lies where he tries to convince us to act like a sinner... We need to believe that we've been raised with Christ. Yeah. Go back to the Forever series. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. You are a new creation in Christ. You are the new man. Wear the clothes that fit so that when people see you, you are the temple, that they see the temple. That the light is not hidden under the bushel, but it's on the lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. So to be an effective ambassador for Christ, you must believe that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit wherever you go, and you got to act like it. you got to act like you're the temple. God is very strategic about where he places his temple. Do you believe that? It's no accident if you're here today and you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, it's not an accident that you're here yeah. hearing this message. 
the question I have for you, are you seeking the truth about God like this Ethiopian was? Mm -hmm. If you are, here's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except by me. And this morning, you can put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation from sin and the judgment of sin. And you can know for sure that you will have eternal life with Jesus in heaven if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning. Yeah. And I want to encourage you to do that. Will you, will you, whether you're watching today on the live stream or you're here in person, Will you right now realize that God has brought you here to this place this morning to become a Christian? Yeah. Will you receive him as your personal Savior and Lord? And if you would, right now, you just need to say, Lord, I receive you. I receive you right now. You brought me here to hear this message about you. And I want to be, Lord, your child. I receive you right now for the forgiveness of my sins. And he will save you. He will. Amen. We want to give you that opportunity and we want to know about that. Lisa set the example for us this morning, what God tells us to do. Philip showed us and the Ethiopian showed us what God tells us to do. If you decide to do that, to believe on Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and for salvation from the judgment of sin, then we want you to tell people about that. And the way God prescribed is very simple. You don't have to stand up here and do a public speaking deal. Aren't you glad, right? All you need to do is be obedient in the waters of baptism and follow what the Lord has prescribed as a profession of your faith. And you can do that this morning. We're going to have a time of invitation here in a moment. You can do that this morning by just responding to this invitation. Um, in fact, I'm going to ask Pastor Hugh, would you mind going back to the back of this room again? And I'm just going to give you the freedom right now at any point as we close out this message. If the Lord is prompting you and you know I need Jesus to save me, and I want to follow him in baptism. Just like that Ethiopian that was seeking God, you go seek God right now because Hugh is the hotspot of God's presence on this earth. Hugh is a temple of the Holy Spirit, mm. and when you go over there and talk to Hugh, you're going to encounter God. So I give you that freedom right now at any point to just stand up, go talk to Pastor Hugh, and make that decision this morning to trust in Jesus. And then I want to give a challenge to as we close this to a, uh, our church, what this looks like for us right now. But before I do, I want to pray. And during this prayer, if you want to respond to go visit with Hugh, you get up and go. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, if there is the heart of someone in this place that you are moving to know you, to trust you, to encounter you, to believe on you for salvation from the judgment of sins and to start a right relationship, be reconciled back to God. Lord, I pray that you would move their hearts now and give them the courage, just like the Ethiopian had the courage to take the long journey to Jerusalem. You would give them the courage to respond and to seek you right now, to only care about seeking you. Would you move them now, move their heart and move their feet to walk closer to you? Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of your Holy Spirit and how you work in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for those of you who are in the church, if you are a follower of Jesus, will you surrender to God's call to go wherever the Lord asks you to go and to 
share with whoever the Lord asks you to share with. And we begin to prayerfully seek the Lord's guidance about where he wants to locate his temple, that is you. Where does he want to locate his temple? Is it in a certain restaurant? Is it a certain beauty parlor, a certain uh, grocery store, a certain job, a certain school, a certain city, a certain country? Wherever the Lord is calling you, would you be open to him right now and ask him? And I know this is a risky question because when you ask him, he may be really clear and it may be a place you do not want to go. And then you're confronted with lordship all over again. Who's the Lord? Is he the Lord of my life? But I I urge you, ask him because you won't regret it. You won't regret being in the center of God's will. If you're looking for someone to share the message with, trust God to lead your steps, just like he led Philip's steps. He will tell you where to go. He will show you who, who he wants you to talk to. He will give you the right words to say, and he will provide you with help. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and this is a team sport. You don't have to do this alone. My small group's working together because we're gonna be a team when it comes to reaching the people God wants us to reach. And he wants you to be a team with a small group of people. And if sin is causing a battle in your life so you're not being the light that he wants you to be, he wants you to be transparent with your small group so that you can get rid of that bushel and set that light on a candlestick so that it gives light to the whole house. So you gotta check your heart before the Lord this morning. Are you really looking and will you go wherever God wants you to go, even if it's a desert place. We have some connect cards to guide us, impact cards to guide us on this. If you have your impact card right now, I wanna encourage you to pull it out. Uh, If you've taken a picture of it, you can access it on your phone right now. Um, If you need an impact card, Britt has some impact cards, Pastor Britt here. So if you haven't received one, just put your hand up and we wanna deliver one of these over to you. Here's what this is really simply, On one side, we're writing the names of people that we need to go to. We're writing those names down. These are the people we need to go. These are the people that God wants us to be intentional with. And then on the back, it gives you a strategy. What's the strategy? Listen, because I don't want you to miss it. Pray for them. You can do that, right? Pray for those people. And then love those people. You can do that. However the Lord leads you to love them. Take them out for a bite to eat. Have them over to your house. Send them a few text messages. Encourage them. Just love on those people. And then share the gospel with them. Okay? We give a strategy on the impact card where you can hand them a tract because we know some of you may not have a personal strategy yet that you use to share the gospel. But hey, I'd rather you use the one you heard this morning. Just ask them about their story. Tell them your story and make sure your story points them to Jesus and opens up that opportunity. And then finally, invite them to Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, where we're going to have evangelical messages that are very focused on presenting the gospel in the clearest way possible so that our friends and family can hear the good news about Jesus. That's the strategy. The impact card leads you to that strategy, but it all starts with those names. It all starts with the place. And some of those names, you may not have them yet, but if you'll go to the place God wants you to go this week, you'll start adding some names. So ask the Lord who those people are. So to close this out, let me pray for the names on your impact card. And then Seth is going to lead us in a song as we dismiss. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the truth of your word and the example of Philip. Thank you for the message from your word to go to the place you want us to go and to look for the people that you want us to share with. Lord, we pray for the people, for the names on these impact cards. With a sober spirit, God, we pray. 
recognizing that this, these are the names of the walking dead. Those who have life in the flesh, but no life in the spirit at all. And that if they were to die in the flesh today, they would experience your righteous judgment towards sin and eternal separation from you, a second death. God, our hearts are burdened for these names and we cry out to you, God. You are the one who purposes to save. You are the one who is powerful to save. Use us, your messengers, to take the gospel to these people and save the lost. Not by our strength or by power, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, because we are your temple, because you made us that way. You made us to be your temple through the work of Jesus Christ and the faith that you've given us to put our confidence in him. We pray you do the same for these names and for these people. Lead us out to be your messengers. God, thank you for stirring the waters of baptism at Together Church. We pray you'd stir them again and stir them again and stir them again as new people come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Embolden us to be your messengers, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.